Coming up, I'm going to teach you the one simple trick to block out all of the haters, the doubters, the criticizers. And then an MIT interviewer is blasting Gen Z. We'll tell you why. And does she have a point? Helping you win in your work life so that you can win in other areas of your life. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Let's talk about the haters. And, uh, boy, this is a broad application. I'm not even sure I like the term, but it gets you to the point, doesn't it? So let's just say that the haters include people in your family, your friend group, that aren't actually hating, but they're just kind of negative. They're kind of the, the constant critic. They don't believe. Boy, do they have influence on you. So here's a question. Are you proud of who you are? Do you think you're valuable? I ask this question because a lot of people aren't. They truly doubt. They're just completely covered in doubt. They doubt themselves. They're afraid that they're not valuable, that they don't have something to offer. They don't have what it takes to actually be valuable. And since there's not a sense of pride in who they are, uh, a, a true valuation of themselves, they start to look outward for other people to validate their existence as a result. And by the way, I'm listen, we're all victim to this as a result. We can be controlled by other people's opinions and their approval, their faces, the sounds they make. Why? Because we all want to belong. We all want to be uh, perceived as valuable. We want to not just be perceived as valuable. We want to, feel valuable, largely because of what others say of us, but then also we know when we do something that is valuable for others. But we all have to deal with other people's opinions, and they can completely rule our lives, and if we're not careful, ruin our lives. So how do we make sure, how do we guard ourselves from other people's opinions having too much sway over our direction? So uh, you may or may not know I enjoy golf. I don't enjoy it as much as pickleball now. I need to confess that. I've been cheating on golf, Nathan. Yeah. My mistress is pickleball. Pickleball. I've been cheating on golf with pickleball. I really have, and I love it. But anyway, I enjoy golf, right? And so I'm going to take you back to a moment that will kind of help you get in this frame of mind. How do we zone out? The critics. I'm going to take you to a time I was playing golf. What long ago? It was about a year and a half ago. And uh, I hit a ball to the left. Pretty good. I, sma- I smashed it. But I had a towering hook on it, Nate. You know what I'm talking about? It's one of those ones where you really crush it. It's not a snap hook 30 yards left. I mean, it was down the fairway. I smoked it. But it had a kind of a big towering hook. And so it was deep in the woods. And this was about this time last... Uh, well, it would have been in the fall. So it's brown. And I thought, okay, I can see. I think I know where that ball went in. And so I began to walk towards the woods because every golfer wants to find his ball. And so I'm looking, and I, I look in there, and I and I see it. And and I go to get it, and I get it, and then I see Nathan, like three or four other ones that are about you know 10 or 15 yards up ahead. And they're just right there for the taking. And I'll tell you, most golfers will tell you, if you see somebody else's ball in the woods that they've left and it's in good shape, you're going to go get it. So, 
I am so focused. And by the way, it's in the middle of a golf round, so i got to be quick. This isn't an exploration. People are waiting on me. I'm playing with folks. So I do what any golfer does, and I go, I'm going to go get that ball. I'm going to get that ball and that ball. So I'm going to come out of this with, not only did I not lose my ball, I'm finding three or four more balls. And listen, most golfers are like, this is great. So I'm hyper-focused. And I start marching. Now, it's the fall, so I was thankfully wearing pants. Because here's what happened next. I'm so focused, Alex, on those other balls. And I'm just looking ahead at them, and I'm in a hurry. So I'm beeline, and I'm tracing through the woods. And all of a sudden, I just er, stop. Because it was almost like someone was pulling at my pant leg, and I couldn't walk forward. I looked down, and I am in a massive patch of briars. Now, now listen, when I say I'm in the, I'm in the, like Alex, I wasn't at the beginning of them. I was in the middle. And I, and in that moment I stopped and my focus went off of the golf balls into my situation. And I realized, good grief, how did I get this deep into it? And the only explanation is I was so focused on getting those golf balls. I wasn't focused on anything else. I wasn't looking down. I was completely looking out and forward and I'm walking. And and what would have happened is I didn't feel the, a little tearing here and a little tug here. I just powered right through it. Why? Because I was focused ahead. And then once I got deep into it, I couldn't move. And now I had to look down and I had to slowly extricate myself so I didn't tear my golf pants. But I had to pull myself out. I was like, good gracious, I had to high step it out of there. It was it was a mess. Here's why I tell the story. All of you have had situations like that, whether you're doing yard work, maybe bugs were biting you and you never realized until after the task. Why? Laser focus. I was more focused on what I was trying to accomplish than I was on what was around me. Did you catch that? I was more focused on what was uh, what was uh, what I was trying to accomplish, picking up those golf balls, and I wasn't even thinking about what I was walking into. I think those briars are like the haters. My focus didn't get rid of the briars, and your focus won't get to the haters. However, it will allow you to forget that they're there. You get that kind of hyper-focus by finding out what is a task, a result that you are deeply passionate about. You get clear on what you're good at doing. You get clear on what you love to do. You get clear on what results motivate you. And here's what happens. You're hyper-focused. So what happens is This friend, this family member, they're saying, I don't know, Ken. I don't know. That's risky. And you don't even hear it. It's white noise. Why? Because you've already figured out. This is what I'm good at. This is what I love to do. And these are the results. This is the contribution that I know that I was put on this planet to make. And with that clarity and confidence, comes the courage to step out, and you're excited about it. You're excited about it. You're focused. And because the brain is so powerful in that circumstance, heightened focus makes everything else around us disappear. You've heard this. If you've looked at hero stories, someone saving the life of another, hyper-focused. 
Have you ever seen a parent step in and save the life of their child or save their child from harm, and in doing so, they receive harm? But after the fact, they're like, oh, I had no idea. Why? They didn't feel anything. They were so focused on protecting their child. It is a primal instinct. And the primal instinct of a parent is available to all of us. The primal instinct of intense focus. And we get in that stage. And guess what? I knew the briars were there. I had to have felt something. But it was minor. Why? I was still making progress. I was still making progress. Only when I got into a thick patch did it completely halt me. And so you have to understand that there are going to be people out there who mean well in your life. And I'm going to tell you, some of the greatest and most effective critics are the people that actually care about us. So we started off by saying the haters. But again, I, I, I think that is, I think true haters are less of the problem than actually people that we care about. And because we care about them, they're, Opinion has tremendous influence on us. So I'll say it again. Those voices coming from people that you care about who have tremendous influence over you, even the naysayers, the critics, the doubters, the warners, they're warning us all the time. Those voices, they won't have the impact on you. You can silence those voices. Because you just are so hyper-focused on the destination of the future that you know that you are absolutely equipped to make and you must make and you're on that journey and that just all that stuff falls off to the side. It just falls off to the side every time. So that's the key to overcoming those voices, the haters. It's extreme focus on your desired future. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show, helping you win in your work life so you can win in every other area of your life. So thankful you're with us. If you're enjoying the show, would you give us a like on those videos you're watching on YouTube, a subscribe and a share. And then if you're listening via your favorite podcast app, give us a follow and a five-star review. That all helps us get this encouraging and equipping message out to people. Okay, so uh, we've got uh, an interesting story here that, uh, well, I I have to shy off of, of, of saying things sometimes about different generations because it can get misconstrued and it can come across as negative. And then is it really generational or is it more life season? Now that's the setup for this headline, Fortune Magazine, MIT interviewer, Blast Gen Z. So this is the post on Twitter. Uh, I Can I just say, I'm never going to call it X. It's Twitter to me and we all know what we're talking about. It's kind of like when Facebook was like, um, we, we are now changing the parent company name to Meta. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's Facebook and it's Twitter. Anyway, she tweets. Yeah, because that's the other thing, Alex. If it's X, then what do we call a post? Is it a tweet or is it a... Silly. Uh, this is the post. I'm an MIT interviewer. Every single applicant was late to their Zoom interview. By the way, this tweet has now been deleted. 
the executive is Christina Key, a CEO of the financial services firm Data Bento, and she's also a board member, so I guess she does some interviews for applicants to the Massachusetts uh, Institute of Technology. She goes on to say in the now-deleted tweet, one no-showed after picking the time on my calendar. Look, I know college isn't for everyone, she says, but this one meeting could affect where you go these next four years of your life. I don't know why it's been deleted. Um, maybe it came across as too harsh. I don't know. And I do think it's dangerous to paint generations with broad brushes. Uh, but what does the research say? Uh, according to research, Gen Z workers are generally increasingly missing work and struggling with deadlines. Days lost per employee increased at a faster clip for 21 to 25-year-olds in Britain uh, as a whole between 2019 and 2022. This is from Good Shape, a wellness consultant. Um, separate research from Asana shows Gen Z workers, uh, these are folks born between 1997 and 2012, are more likely to miss deadlines than any other generation. On average, Gen Z workers miss almost a quarter of their deadlines each week compared to 6% for baby boomers and 10% for Gen X. All right, so I want to pause here because this is interesting. Gen Z workers more likely to miss deadlines uh, than any other generation, and it's a, and it's a pretty big gap. Uh, for whatever reason, they don't give a millennial number here, but baby boomers, and these are these are folks that are you know sixties and seventies, eighties, whatever that that demographic is. I don't know it exactly, but but only six percent of them miss of them are missing deadlines, and the number goes up for Gen X and substantially up for Gen Z. So you look at deadlines. This is a very interesting data point here. Why are they missing deadlines? Is it because they're lazy? Is it because they're distracted? And I don't have the answer. And I don't even like the use of the word lazy, but I mean, that is a, it has to be an option there. Are they distracted? Because this generation has had more distractions than any other generation. Um, or is it that they just don't want to get the work done? They can't find motivation to get it done. I think that's the interesting question. Now, the reason I raise that question is this is a leadership issue. I'll come back to that. The research suggests that it's because, so this is the answer to the question, and this is what the research is saying, but it's not complete. The research says it's because Gen Z wastes four and a half hours a week on unnecessary tasks, and they don't know how to prioritize the time. So I ask the question, is it laziness? Is it distraction? And the data is coming back saying it's about prioritization. So that leads me to believe it's not laziness. It's more about distraction. If you don't know how to prioritize your time and you are wasting four and a half hours a week on unnecessary tasks, then I think that's distraction at some level because there's a lot coming at you and you don't know how to prioritize. So now here's why I'm coming back to this as a leadership issue. You can rail on parents and say you didn't do a good job, and I think that's garbage. I think this is an experience issue. Think about Gen Z. They're the youngest demographic in the workforce. 
They're brand new. I don't think this is a parenting issue. You gotta learn how to do a job. That's the dynamic is very different between uh, your chores and whatever your parents ask you to do, and you're on the job. You don't have a lot of experience. You got a lot coming at you. You're green as you can possibly be, and you don't know. And if a leader doesn't go, here are your top priorities, and I'm going to train you on what your workflow needs to be, then how is it that we're expecting brand new people to figure that out? That, I think, is the issue. And I'm not trying to be Mr. Stand-Up for Gen Z, because to me, millennials went through the same thing. And my generation, Gen X, went through the same thing. And boomers went through the same thing. Because this is not a generational issue. This is an experience issue. I mean, let let me give you a sports analogy. One of the greatest quarterbacks ever played the game, Peyton Manning. Nobody's going to argue with that. Guy's top five all time. Okay? His rookie year in the NFL, and I mean, he was a legend in college. He comes to the Colts as a rookie, and he breaks the record for more interceptions than anybody else. Still holds the record. He's hoping somebody breaks it. By and large, rookies in pro sports struggle. Why? They were studs. Studettes. They were stars on the collegiate level. They go to the pro level, they struggle. Why? It's a different environment. Different speed of the game. Everybody there is the best. They have to adjust. That's the answer. So if rookies in sports, and I'm talking, I mean, go back and look at LeBron, Kobe, Michael Jordan. Look at their rookie years compared to their career. Everybody struggles. It's a learning curve. Duh. So leaders, listen to me. You can't get sucked into this generation this, this generation that. On this issue right here, and this is one of the key points of the data, Gen Z, just like every generation, needs to be led better. So leaders, they're brand new. If they are losing four and a half hours a week on unnecessary tasks, could it be that they, A, don't know their priority, and B, haven't been trained how to prioritize? Could it be? Of course that's the issue. So leaders, I know you're slammed. I know you got a lot going on. But you want productivity to go up. You want engagement to go up. You want retention to go up. Lead people. Train them. Show them. Don't tell them. Show them. Don't tell them. Let me say it again. Show them. Don't tell them. That's the takeaway. Who among us, by the way, can look back to any new job in our career? And we walked in, we were like, got that mastered in week one. No. Try to figure out what's going on. And this generation has said on record, they want to be mentored at work. Keep in mind, they have been coddled a lot. Again, not their fault, our fault. They've been coddled. They've been told they're really good at something and they enter your job and you don't train them properly and they're overwhelmed just because of the newness of it and you didn't train them, you didn't show them what the priorities are, you're not walking hand in hand with them, they want to be mentored and you don't do any of that, guess what happens? They're going to leave you a lot quicker. And you could be letting a Michael Jordan, a LeBron James, a Peyton Manning walk out of your office. If Peyton Manning is going to suck his first year in the NFL, then what do you think your brand new employees are going to do? They're going to suck. 
I tell you what the Colts didn't do. They didn't quit on Peyton Manning and trade him. They didn't go, forget this kid. Gen X quarterback. Pinch his butt. Give me an old guy in there. Give me a boomer quarterback with a broken knee and a crappy arm. No, they stuck with him. They stuck with him. And you got to stick with these kids. You got to coach them. Watch them shine. And you're going to get all the credit for it. Welcome back to the Kent Coleman Show. Hey, you were created to fill a unique role. You are needed. You must do it. And I think a lot of people resonate with that. But then they go, okay, Ken, that makes a lot of sense. But how in the world do I figure that out? We've got a great assessment tool. It's called the Get Clear Career Assessment that will help you get aware in three key areas of you. You are uniquely and wonderfully made. What do I mean by that? Well, everybody's got talent. It's what you do best. Everybody has a real passion for a task or a role, and everybody is motivated by a result. If you can figure out what you do best, what you love to do most, and the results that motivate you most, you are on your way to really finding that seat, that role that you were created to fill. And the assessment does that for you. It gives you a purpose statement with a detailed report in all three of those areas. You can get it at kencoleman.com slash assessment, kencoleman.com slash assessment. By the way, uh, we've had... Hundreds of thousands of people take this. Uh, teenagers are taking it. Uh, I, I was talking to a dad the other day, and he said, hey, uh, and I gave him one for free. It was a friend, and he said, you know what? I got to tell you something. He goes, I didn't know what to think of this. You know, you know, I love when they do that. You know, like, hey, man, you're my friend, and you gave me this. You offered it to me because he was having a conversation with him about his kid and kid trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. I said, hey, I got a tool for you. So, you know, he does the obligatory, well, sure, you know, I'm not going to turn you down. It's free. He goes, I didn't know what to make of this. He goes, but my kid took it and the results, he's reading the results of me. He's like, dad, it's like this guy knows me. It works. It's a great assessment. KenColeman.com slash assessment. Okay. It's always fascinating to me. I've had the great privilege to uh, interview a lot of well-known, very successful leaders, achievers, all walks of life. And I'm not going to name drop, but I mean, I've interviewed A-lister after A-lister after A-lister. And I tell you that uh, to to point out that the reason that I enjoy it is because there's a reason why they're at the top. And I like to know what they think, and I like to know why they think it. So I uh, I love that the team pulled this article from Fortune magazine. This is a, a uh, there are some excerpts from an interview that the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, Uh, recently shared about what he is looking for. What are the non-negotiable qualities of an employee at Apple? And he was sharing this uh, on a podcast called At Your Service. Uh, Now, Tim Cook has been the CEO since 2011. Apple continues to be one of the most valuable companies in the world. And, and, And let's be honest, Tim Cook has done a really good job following a legend, an icon, Steve Jobs. So, does it mean I agree with Tim Cook on everything? Uh, who cares? Who cares? The guy has done a good job. So I'm interested. 
You should be interested. If you are a leader, if you are a manager, if you are somebody who wants to grow professionally, you should be interested in what he says. So here we go. Uh, interesting, by the way, because of our relation with Bethel Tech, I'll tell you more about that in a second. He did encourage in the interview, he said, I encourage job seekers across the board, whether they're applying at Apple or not, to learn some coding. And here's why. He said it's a form of expressing yourself. It's a global language. It's the only global language we all share. The ability to code and make something. And Alex, I thought that was very interesting. Because I, I actually probably need to take a course at Bethel Tech since I know the CEO. I should probably do it for free and just see what happens. Because I've always wanted to put Ryan Collins to the test on that. Because he's always like, look, no matter what technology experience you have, we can teach you to code. And then I read this from Tim Cook. He's going, look, you can express yourself, which means I could develop a website, an app, or whatever. It's a way of expressing myself. Would it be a good website or a good app? That's not the point. The point is I could do it. And I think Cook makes a very interesting point. I think he's right. It's a global language. He said, so I recommend it, but we hire people that don't know how to code. By the way, to that end, BethelTech.net, if you want to learn how to code and do it really well, really well on your schedule at a very affordable price, and they place you, BethelTech.net, tell them Ken Coleman sent you. You'll get a discount because you know me. So he goes on into the interview, and he talks about a few traits, and I want to pull these out because this is straight from Tim Cook, but I, I am in such agreement with it that I think, you, as you're listening and watching this, need to score yourself. And then I'd go get your leader uh, or some coworkers to score you on these traits. Because the good news about these traits is every one of them can be developed. You can go from zero to hero. Here we go. One is collaboration. And I'm a big fan of this. Um, Alex could tell you if I'm in a meeting one-on-one -on -one versus a meeting with several people and several people are weighing in, it just fires my brain. I just do really well in a collaborative environment. And this is what Tim Cook said about collaboration, CEO of Apple. He says, can the candidate really collaborate? Do they deeply believe that one plus one equals three? I do deeply believe, he says. That bouncing ideas off one another creates a bigger idea than either one of us can generate on, on our own. And I think that's well said, and I couldn't add one comma, colon, any word to that. I think that is absolutely true. By the way, let me tell you what collaboration isn't. Collaboration is not just sitting in a room and being agreeable to a group conversation. That's not collaboration. That's just agreeableness and niceness, and that's fine. Collaboration is you get your skin in the game when everybody else has got their skin in the game and you're not trying to dominate. You're bouncing off of it. Oh, okay, I like that. What about this? What about this? That's true collaboration. Checking your ego at the door, but completely putting your, your creativity on the table. That's how I would define collaboration. Checking your ego at the door, but fully engaging in your creativity. Second, he says curiosity is also a trait that he loves to see. He said people that ask questions that are curious about how things work, how people think, all of the whys and the how questions. 
Boy, my mom would be laughing right now. She told me one. She told me one time when I was I was probably three years of age, couldn't speak very well, and she was about to punish me. Now this is back in the day. Some of you millennials and Gen Zers can't conceive of what I'm about to tell you, but this was back in the day where you got spanked, and this was back in the day when you rode in the front of the car without a seatbelt and a car seat. Hey, this was the this was like, I you think how crazy that is right now. By the way, the dashboards back then were metal. If you got in a wreck with your kid, your kid was going to die. There were some consequences. Not an eight-point harness and the kid sitting backwards inside of an air bubble. Just to point this out. So this was back in the day when you got spanked. And so my mom was about ready to spank me. And by the way, I'm three. And my mom's the nicest person on the planet. Some of you are going, holy smokes. So true story. She had a little uh, Tupperware spoon, Bob. And when I say spank, it was a swat on the butt cheek. One little swat. It left a mark that gets you in jail these days. But I was fine. It stung, but I knew it was coming, Alex. And so she famously said that I looked at her sobbing. I went, let me tell you one question. That was my famous phrase. Years later, I would write a book called One Question. Let me tell you one question. I didn't want to ask anything. I wanted to tell her something in the form of a question to try to get out of the spanking. You get that? So just a little fun story there. But from my early days, I've always been the what, why guy. I drive Alex nuts with my what and whys. But it's a great quality, curiosity. Next on the list, creativity. Cook said this about creative people. He said, we're looking for people that can see around the corner. Ultimately, we want to create products that people can't live without, but that they didn't know they needed. So I wrote those words down in my moleskin. I wrote down collaboration, curiosity, and creativity. Pretty simple. That's what he said. But you know what you can do with all those? You can learn to do each one of the. You can learn how to collaborate and get great at it. You can learn how to be curious. Curious. You already have it in you. You can just feed the fire. And you know what else you can do? You all have creativity. Every one of us is creative. Some more than others, yes. But can I feed that creativity, my unique way of being creative? Yes, I can. So you want to stand out in the world today? These soft skills. By the way, leaders, you want to develop great people, start training them in the areas of collaboration, curiosity, and creativity. And I think you're going to get a whole lot more out of it. I really do. I think it's that simple. Wow. Tim Cook, good stuff. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.